following message is from the North Shore Christian Center MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Center is available at www.nscc.org.au. Fantastic. What I want to share with you very quickly today, I'm not going to take too long, I want to share with you the greatest story that's ever been told in this world. And, and I want to share it with you. If you have your Bibles, just open up to Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. And uh, there's this very interesting little passage in the Bible that's got like a, a, a sub-thought. And, and I just want to share on the sub-thought this morning, which is the main thought, which is connected to the greatest story ever told. And uh, this is what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, is that the end part of the verse that's almost thrown in there as an afterthought, but really is the main thought. And the main thought is the book of life, the concept of the book of life. A lot of jokes have been told about the book of life. It starts off with St. Peter at the pearly gates. And how many of you heard stories about St. Peter at the pearly gates and the book of life opened? One of my favorite ones, one of my favorite jokes on St. Peter and the, and the book of life is about these two guys that turn up at the pearly gates. One is dressed in clerical collar, colorful robes. He's waiting at the pearly gates and just in front of him is another guy and he's got sunglasses on, a loud shirt, leather jacket, jeans. And uh, St. Peter addresses uh, this guy and says, um, well, who are you so that I may know whether or not to admit you into the kingdom of heaven? And so the guy with the loud shirt, the sunglasses replies, I'm Joe Green. I'm a taxi driver from New York City. So St. Peter looks up in his book and says to the taxi driver, you're in. Here's a silken robe and a golden staff. You're welcome into the kingdom of heaven. Well, he just sort of strolls in. Then the next guy comes in and uh, without being asked, he, he introduces himself as Pastor Michael O'Connor, head pastor of St. Mary's for the last 43 years. And so St. Peter opens up the book. He says, yep, your name's here, you're in, and gives him a cotton robe with a wooden staff. And so uh, Pastor O'Connor turns to St. Peter and says, how come he got a silken robe and a golden staff and I've been a pastor for 43 years, get a cotton robe and a wooden staff. St. Peter says, well, up here, people are rewarded by their works. While you were down there and you preached, people slept. But when he drove, people prayed. I mean, there's so many of these stories, <laughs> so many of these stories. And, uh, but, but it's this concept of the pearly gates and the book of life. And uh, we can make jokes on it, but the book of life is a biblical truth. It's in the Old Testament. 
repeated many times. The whole concept of the book of life began in the Old Testament. Then it's carried over in the New Testament. It's mentioned about eight times in the book of test in the in the New Testament under titles: the Lamb's Book of Life, the Book of Heaven, the Book of Life. But but what is consistent is this whole concept that in order to get to heaven, your name has to be written in the book of life. And so this morning, I just want to share very quickly with you how you can make sure that your name is written in the book of heaven. How many of you want to make sure that your name is written in the book of heaven? Well, before I get to that, I've just got to share with you very simply another very important concept, which is the concept of the gospel. The gospel. I love the word gospel because it comes from the Greek meaning good news. Everybody say good news. See, the gospel's not about bad news. It's about good news. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus came into his public ministry telling people the good news. He came not sharing bad news, but good news. I think it's so sad when people make God's word bad news instead of making it good news. And this morning, there's good news for you. And the good news is the message about how God wants to be connected to you, how God wants to be your friend. The good news is how you can get to live in heaven forever. How many of you know that you were not created to live on this planet forever, but you were created to live in heaven forever? See, we live here as preparation for heaven. And so what this life here is all about, it's an introduction. This is not the main act. This is an introduction to the main act. The main act happens in heaven forever and ever with God. So whatever is happening here is only an introduction to heaven. So don't hang on to this life as if, as if it's the end. This is only the beginning of something wonderful. And the Bible talks to us about that. The Bible also tells us that heaven is holy. Everybody say holy. Holy is another word for perfect. So if something is holy, it's perfect. And heaven is holy and heaven is perfect. Now, this is the big challenge that we all have. And the big challenge is, is this, we all want to get to, is there anyone here that doesn't want to get to heaven? Is there anyone here that doesn't want to get to heaven? How many of you want to get to heaven? All of us want to get to heaven, but this is the big challenge, is this, is heaven is perfect. And so in order for us to get to heaven, we too have to be perfect. Because if something imperfect gets to heaven, then heaven becomes imperfect, and it's not quite heaven if it's imperfect. Have you got my drift here? So that becomes the challenge. And the gospel was not meant to help perfect people. The gospel was meant to help imperfect people. How many of you are glad about that? How many, how many of you are glad that the gospel was meant to help imperfect people? Because the fact is that if we're humble enough, every single one of us will admit, that we are imperfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking about me. 
He's talking about me. I'm the first to put up my hand and admit that I'm imperfect. I'm the first to put up my hand and say that I've made mistakes. Is there anybody else willing to say, is there anybody else in this place humble enough to say, I've made some mistakes? Huh? Can you say it? Can you actually say, I've made some mistakes? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I've made some mistakes? It's good for the soul to admit it, see? It's good to come to church and be honest. Huh? It's good, isn't it? Just to say, I've made some mistakes in my life. Now, this is the bad news. This is the bad news because I've got to give you the bad news before I can give you the good news. If you've made some mistakes, then you're imperfect. And if you're imperfect, you can't get to heaven. Now, that is a huge problem for us Australians because we believe that all of us are good. I mean, we Aussies, we think that we're good people. And in so many respects, we are, but we all struggle with imperfection. And the gospel is about how God deals with our imperfection. And this is the good news. The good news is this is that in God's economy, there is a penalty for mistakes. The Bible calls it sin. We kind of think that none of us are sinners. We, we, we don't have a problem saying, I've made mistakes. But we do have a problem saying, I'm a sinner. And, you know, and so none of us had any issue when I asked, hey, everybody say, I've made mistakes. Nobody had any issues. But what if I said to you, I want everybody to say, I'm a rotten, miserable sinner. Oh, some of us have had real problems with that. But the fact is the Bible calls all mistakes sin. And he understands it. But this is what the gospel is about. Is that God says, I know that you've made mistakes. I know that you've sinned. And I want you to have an avenue whereby all of your sins can be forgiven. All of your sins dealt with. Well, how do you deal with your mistakes? How do you deal with your sins? Well, I try to do a lot of good things. I try to do a lot of good works. I apologize. But is that enough to cover it over? See, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's a penalty for sin, and that penalty is death. Now, now for some people, that's sort of, whoa, I've done nothing deserving of death. But under God's economy, any sin is deserving of death. And so this is what God did. And this is the good news, is that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, and pay the penalty for your sins and my sins. So when Jesus died upon the cross, he did not die because he was a sinner. He died on the cross because I was a sinner. He died in my place. He took upon himself my sins. And then what happened was the great exchange took place. Everybody say the great exchange. 
Because the great exchange is at the center of the gospel. And I love this. This is, just, this is just so important for us to understand. This is the greatest story ever told. And the great exchange is this. John, you give me your sins and I'll give you my righteousness. That's exactly what Jesus said. That's the great exchange. If we give him our sins, he gives us his righteousness. And that's the only way that we can get total deliverance from our sins is to accept the great exchange. The Bible says that he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You say, but what? That, that, that's the deal of the universe. Forget the deal of the century. This is the deal of the universe. We give Jesus our sins and he gives us his righteousness. Yes. But how can that be? I don't know. But God in his love and mercy made it that way. But surely I've got to keep all the laws and I've got to do all that. No, no. Christianity is not about what you do. It's about what he's done. Too many people want to do it on their own strength and on their own merits. But the grace of God is not about what you do. It's about what he's done. He gives you the gift. And it's all based on your humility of saying, God, I accept that I've sinned. And I give you my sin. And receive your righteousness. In the newsletter, I've written this, this beautiful story of, of Martin Luther, the great Christian reformer, who one day had this dream. And in this dream, he saw an angel in front of a blackboard. And the angel wrote down at the top of the blackboard Luther's name, Martin Luther. And then the angel starts writing down all of Luther's sins, all of his mistakes. How many of you would hate to have a dream like that? And so the angel started writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. And pretty soon the whole blackboard was covered in all of Martin Luther's sins. And he started to get desperate at this time. And then all of a sudden, a pierced hand appeared. A nail-pierced hand appeared and next to Luther's name wrote a verse that's found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and wrote next to Luther's name, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And then he saw the blood drip from the pierced hand and it wiped out every single sin that was recorded on that blackboard until the board was wiped clean. Then Luther woke up and he began to realize that yes, he had sinned, but the blood of Jesus Christ had the power to wash away every single one of our sins. And friends, I want to say to you right now, it 
doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what mistake you have made. It doesn't matter what sin you have committed. There is not one mistake. There is not one sin that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away, cannot remove. He is able to cleanse you. He is able to forgive you. He is able to separate you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. And my friends, that is the good news. That is the good news. It doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us that Jesus died, but on the third day, he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he proved to us that what he said was true. He proved that he has victory over death. He proved that he was the son of God. He proved that everything that he said was true and you could bank on it. And so we as Christians believe that Jesus was not just a man, but he was the son of man, the son of God, perfect in all aspects, perfectly divine, perfectly human. We believe that Jesus was not just another man, another sinner that had to die, but he was the son of God who rose from the dead. We believe in that. And because we believe in that, that is the basis of our salvation. Now, let me tell you, how do you get your name? In the book of life. It's so simple. It is so simple. And I want to tell you right now, as I'm finishing off, and this is probably the shortest message you've ever heard me preach, but I'm, the plane's coming in for a landing. But I want to tell you right now how you can get your name written in the book of life and access to heaven. It's as simple as A, B, C. Here it is. A is for acknowledge. Acknowledge that you've made mistakes. Acknowledge that you have sinned. Acknowledge that you've broken God's laws. Is it possible for you to do that? Can you, in all humility today, put up your hand and say, I acknowledge that I've made mistakes and I'm sorry for it. Can you do that? Huh? Can you put up your hand right now and say, I acknowledge that I've made mistakes. I acknowledge that I've sinned. And I'm sorry. Fantastic. That wasn't too hard. It wasn't too difficult. Here it is, number two, B. B is for believe. Once you've acknowledged that you've sinned, then it's the next step is to believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins. To believe that when Jesus died upon the cross, he shed his blood to wash away every single one of your sins. And he rose from the dead on the third day. Do you believe that Jesus died in, on the cross for your sins and rose on the third day? Do you believe that? Can you put up your hand and say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day. Do you believe that? Say, I believe. Well, step one is acknowledge that you've sinned. Step two is believe that Jesus died in your place for your sins and rose on the third day. And C is for confession. C is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord 
and your Savior. See, this step three is to begin to articulate that if he did that, I'm not just going to put that in my historical record and just say, well, okay, I got some information today and I'll just stick that in the back of my head. No, 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 no. Confession is this. If he died for me, I'm going to live for him. I'm going to turn my life around and begin to follow Jesus Christ. I, I, I want from this day forward to be a God follower. I love what Maddie said. I'm a God chick. Well, I can't say I'm a God chick, and I don't want to say I'm a God chick, but I'm a God lover. I'm a God lover. Unashamedly. I don't care who knows about it. I'm a God lover. I've confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not ashamed of him. He wasn't ashamed to come to this planet, the Son of God, leave heaven and come upon a cross and die for me, then I'm not going to be ashamed of saying to this world, I'm a God follower. I love Jesus. He's my Savior. I'm able to confess with my mouth that I love Jesus, that he is my Savior and my Lord. Can I ask you another question? Can you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord? Can you say with your mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord? Can you do that? Because let me tell you, if you A, acknowledge that you've sinned, B, believe that Jesus Christ died in your place and rose from the dead, and C, confess him as your Lord and Savior, then the Bible says you will be saved. Your name will be written in the book of life. You will not have to fear death when it comes. You will not have to fear the afterlife when you enter in. You will have the assurance that you have had your sins forgiven. You are in relationship with God. Your name is written in the book of life and you will live with God forever in heaven because his word is true and that is what his word says. Elizabeth, come forward. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today for the simplicity of the gospel. I thank you today, Lord, that there are people here and you're working on their hearts. And I just pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you will just move upon every single person in this congregation and cause your light to shine in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today, I want to ask you a question. Are you 100% sure that your name is written in the book of life? Do you know that you know that you know that because you've acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believe in your heart that he died in your place and rose from the dead. And you've confessed Jesus as your Savior, that your name is written in the book of life. If, if you know that without a shadow of a doubt, I want you to lift up your hand right now. Just lift it up high. If you know 100%, no doubt. Okay, you can put your name down. You can put your hand down. For those people that just had difficulty lifting up your hand, you, you weren't 100% sure. You might have been 99% sure. You might have been 
80% sure. You might have been just absolutely sure that your name wasn't written in the book of life. I want to ask you a question. Do you want to make sure today? Do you really want to make sure? Because it's so simple. And the way that you make sure is this. Can you acknowledge that you've made mistakes? And if you can say, yeah, I've, I, I can acknowledge I've made mistakes. Well, then do you believe that Jesus died in your place and rose from the dead? You say, yeah, I believe that. Well, then thirdly, can you today confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you're willing to do that, then you will be saved and your name will be written in the book of life. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Center Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 